Welcome to the Successful Life Podcast, your go-to source for insights and strategies in the HVAC, plumbing, and roofing industries. I'm Corey Barrier, here to guide you through transformative approaches to business and mindset. Each episode will explore unique methods, focusing on identifying and addressing the core challenges in your field. Our goal is to equip you and your team with practical solutions that foster growth and success. So whether you're tuning in for the first time or you're a longtime listener, get ready to dive into a wealth of knowledge and expertise. Let's begin our journey to success together. This is the successful life. It's Corey Barrier. Yeah, come learn with me. Take you down the path of our journeys. This is the successful life. It's time to take what you learn. Apply it to your life. It's your turn. To live a successful life. You are tuning in to the Successful Life Podcast. Three, two. Welcome to the Successful Life Podcast. This is your host, Corey Barrier, and I am here with Suzette. Shit. I knew I was going to screw the name up. Say your last name, Suzette. Sondag. Sondag. See, it's really not that hard, but for whatever reason, my brain just does not put it together. So Suzette and I, uh, we met because she had posted that she had been sober for eight years. And and so I have been sober for a little over 10 years. and as you all know by now. And so when she posted it, it was, you know, I felt the need to reach out and congratulate her because it's such a big milestone. Um, And so today we're going to hear about kind of about her story. Um, And I'm sure alcohol will play a part in that story, but uh, we're just going to get to know you and uh, take it from there. Sure. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you for coming or have or coming on. Yeah. So I mean, like, uh, yeah, we. So that's how we connected, right? Is yeah. That, and there's more to that. Um, from the sense of okay, yeah, I've met a lot of people. They're sober. I'm sober. But I know that one of the things that is that's been standing out for me is what sobriety looks like for me today, right? Because uh, I got sober in 2011, and um, and. I got sober through AA and it, you know, it changed my life, right? Like it, it gave me a a foundation for learning how to become a responsible human and not, and I say that not in the sense that it was like, oh, I wasn't doing anything before that, right? Like I got sober. I had two kids. I was working in corporate America. Um, I had a full-time job and so I, on the outside, like life was working, so to speak. Right. But like you hear oftentimes in the room when you talk to people who are getting sober is, um, you know, but on the inside stuff was pretty messed up, right. It was a shit show. And, um, so I got sober and I started do, I did the steps and I went to meetings and I did everything everybody was telling me to do. And, um, and it worked. And my life got better on the inside and I was raised Catholic. So, um, you know, I fit AA into my Catholic, uh, bubble of like how my life is supposed to look. And, um, I just went about my life and everything was fine. Going to meetings, working with other people, um, and being a Catholic wife, uh, being a Catholic mom, you know, I, um, decided, Oh, I think I'm supposed to quit my job. (laughs) 
So I quit my job um, to take care of my kids. And, um, you know, because I, I don't know. I mean, it just felt like that was what I was supposed to do at the time, which I, maybe I was, you know what I mean? And um, so I quit my job. I started taking, stay at home, became the, the um, you know, participate in the school functions, be that kind of mom. And, and I was like, something's not working here. Um, but I really, I wanted to really hard to make it work. Cause I felt like, um, that was supposed to be my quote unquote vocation in life was that I was supposed to, um, be the Catholic mom that stays at home and takes care of her kids and, um, helping women in sobriety. That was how I was going to be of service. Like my whole life has just been about like, okay, well, you know, how are you going to be of service? How are you going to be of service? And, uh, and then in, uh, this is like a nutshell, but in 2017, um, my dad died from cancer and, um, I spent that next year just kind of in a fog. And I don't know if anybody who's, you know, lost somebody can relate to that, but I just felt real disconnected from everything, kind of questioning my role, my life, what's going on. And, um, and then in 2018, just, I think this is how the universe works, right? Like, I think the universe is always trying to connect with us and, um, and we find different ways of connecting to the universe. But at this time it was like, it took a big frying pan and hit it over my head and was like, yo, (laughs) look over here. And I was like, it was the first time in my life that I had looked in a different direction because I was so focused on what I thought my life was supposed to look like that I didn't, I didn't, I had blinders on. And when I took a look and I looked left, I saw there was a totally different world. And, um, and there was a whole metaphysical world and everything just, it was like everything started snowballing after that. Right. And I started questioning everything. I started questioning, um, I started realizing, you know, I think as humans, we come out of the womb and we, you know, start getting conditioned um, based on the people that are around us, based on society. And it's not that it's a bad thing. Like, how can it be any other way right now? Like, that's just how it is. And so we grow up with these set of rules and beliefs that um, we think the world is. And most of us just go through life like that. And that's fine. It could be very successful right? You can have a very happy life. But for me, I've always questioned everything in my life, always, and uh, hid behind. So do you think that as a a childhood, I believe that we were programmed, right? We were programmed to believe whatever it may be, whether it be that we're not going to make enough money, or whether it be we should work in corporate America, or whether it be we should be a mom. And do you find that as you've gone in this last year or so, two years of your journey, have you kind of realized some of those programs that have been running since you were a child? Well, I mean, absolutely. Right. And the thing is, is that we don't, I know for me, um, you don't know your program, right? You don't know that you're living in the matrix (laughs) until when, I think for everybody, for me particularly, it was um, something traumatic, you know, something traumatic to kind of tilt my view a little bit. And that's like, you know, Joe Dispenza always talks about like, you don't, it doesn't have to be something traumatic. You know, he's trying to encourage people to 
to reach that state of consciousness without having to have something traumatic happen. But the reality is we're experiencing trauma from the minute we're born. It, you know, there's, you know, it, and there's emotional trauma that's being stored in our nervous system. And so we go through life and we're experiencing a trauma, trauma, trauma. So that's just, I think that's just a part of life. And then it becomes for me was, Oh, I actually have a choice that I can do something about this. I have a choice to heal that trauma. Right. And it's not going to be from something external. It's going to be from within. Do you think that most people that, you talk to about this, right? If you, if this conversation were to come up and this is very similarly how we connected. Um, but do you, do you think other people, do you think most people understand this part? Do you think most people understand the idea behind um, that we can change our, our thought process and we can change the way we do things from a from a metaphysical quantum physics standpoint i would say that i didn't know that there was a whole world of people that did yeah. right it's like the people that um that i live around that um are in my circle here most people don't you know and so that's been one of the things that's been really nice about being um, more involved on social media and then in Arte is that it opened my eyes to a totally new group of people that do think that way, you know? And when I went to Arte in um, April, that was right on the cusp. I was just starting to learn how to start saying yes. I had just bought the book Becoming Supernatural. I mean, I brought it with me when I went to Arate, you know, because I was like, this is the book that I'm reading right now. And I was asking people about it because I was just starting to kind of get introduced to this idea. And everybody already knew about it. <laughs> I was like, man, where have I been? You know, there's a whole world of people like that. But no, I mean, if I were to say within my circle here is a handful, a handful of people. And not only that, but, and I get it, right? I get it. If I was to bring it up and kind of in a more like, well, no, this is really the truth. It would be met with a little bit of like, like, don't even go there. Like that is not right. Don't think that way. You know, when I started posting stuff about this on my social media, <laughs> you know, my, I had one of my brothers reach out to me out of care and concern about the direction I was going in my life, you know? So there's some strong resistance to it. Not even that they're not, that they don't know about it, but that they're like, I don't want to know about it. So. Which sucks because it's such an amazing thing to understand, to learn about, to, you know, if you want to dive, you know, if you want to dive that deep into yourself and if you want to try to grow as we like to do, you have to, you know, you have to look into those. For me, anyway, I have to dig deeper. I have to dig deeper into these things because I want to understand why I do the things that I do or why I did them or or can I fix them, whatever it may be, whether I know about it consciously or not. You know, subconsciously, we do a bunch of shit that, that we don't even know we're doing. And so, yeah. Well, I, um, and to be, you know, Perfectly honest, none of this seeking would have happened without getting sober, right? Because I, um, being sober and 
part of the 12 steps, why they work well is one of the steps is to consciously seek connection with your higher power, right? And that that was the first time I had been exposed to understanding that, well, I mean, like they'll say you can make anything you want your higher power. And of course, for me, I was like, that doesn't make any sense. You know, there's, <laughs> that doesn't right. make any sense. And I get what they're getting at, right? Is to like, what they're getting at without saying it is that you can let go of the rules and conditioning and beliefs that you were brought up with. I don't know why they didn't just say that. Just say that, you know, why does it have to be this like, you know, subtle, <laughs> well, you can have God be whatever you want God to be and let go of that. I don't know, whatever. It was in 1932, but, <laughs> right. but, but that's the thing, right? And when I take what I'm learning today and I go back and I look at like the 12 steps of AA I see that, oh my gosh, okay, I see it in a totally different way. However, now what I will say, though, about um, AA is that, um, you know, a lot of times I think that the the message of the spiritual awakening can get lost behind, again, the rules of what you're supposed to do to stay sober. So it's almost kind of like we as humans can't help ourselves right? We come out, we, we find something, the universe speaks to us, they give us this way, they, you know, the universe connects with someone that shows you here, her, here's how you can stay sober. He goes to spread this message and we're like, oh, that's great. Let's package it up and make it a bunch of rules. And then that's what you need to do to stay sober. So we've lost the message, right? So any, it's, it's like a religion, you know, it, it's, it's its own religion. And anytime you get this, you know, these humans involved that want to like figure out a way to like box it up and hand it out to someone you lose you lose the connection again the universe is like great now i gotta go find another way to get a hold of you, <laughs> you know? so let, yeah so let's let's talk about that for a second because that's one of the things that you and i um you know when i called you for the first time i you know knowing you were in aa i had just had an unpleasant experience with another person that was in aa because my you know, like you, AA had a place in my life and it was, I mean, without it, we, I wouldn't be sitting here. However, now that I've dug into a different mindset, let's just say mindset. Um, I don't attend AA meetings anymore because, you know, I, I don't consider myself an alcoholic. I consider myself, you know, a former alcoholic or, I, I just consider myself as a person that doesn't drink mm-hmm. and, and I feel like, um, and I have given this a lot of thought. I feel like I, you know, if I stand up and say that I'm an alcoholic over and over and over the programming uh, of your subconscious mind, it, it continues to say that to yourself and you're saying it out loud. And, and, and it's, and in, for me, in my opinion is if it's like, I'm saying I'm broken and, and it's almost like the rules say that if you leave, you're screwed. If you leave us, you're done. You're, you're fucking drunk in 24 hours. And that's just not true for me. And so I, you know, I was speaking to uh, another lady last night and we were talking about the exact same subject. And, and I think we're going to put together an outlet for people that are like-minded that want something more, right? And that are, you know, tired of going into the rooms or being, 
you know, just a, a, just a different outlet, you know, a different outlet to help people in that are in sobriety that just don't want to go to AA anymore, so mm-hmm. to speak. And by well, all means, by no means, we're not bashing AA. Right. right. So I just want to be clear about that. No, I, I had a friend and she put it in a really meaningful way for me because again, it goes back to um, rules and conditioning and beliefs. For her, alcoholic doesn't mean the same thing that it does for me. You know what I mean? She has a different meaning behind it. Okay. And for me, um, saying recovered alcoholic, that resonates with me, you know? And, and so I still go to meetings um, I don't go as often as I used to, but I think that, um, you know, one of the things I always wonder about is like, well, um, don't reinvent the wheel. You know what I mean? But, it, but at the same time there, you know, there's people that'll be in the meetings that have some strong, um, because that's the thing, right? It goes back to what a person's rules are that they have and the belief system that they have in order for life to make sense to them, right? And so for me to say I'm a recovered alcoholic, um, you know, and that no meetings aren't my only means of being able to stay sober and that it's not even about like, so I'm learning, It's it, it keeps evolving for me, right? Like the drinking that I did or the binging on food that I did or whatever, you know, fill in the blank of things that I used to self-medicate um, were all means of trying to escape the pain of emotional trauma, right? I didn't know what emotional trauma was three months ago. You know what I mean? I didn't know that the body remembers every sort of, and it doesn't, when I say trauma, I don't mean like, oh, you know, there's so many different levels of it, right? And a lot of the stuff that I experienced was the very subtle stuff that I didn't even wouldn't have classified as trauma, so to speak, three months ago. You know what I mean? So so what would you say, um, you know, for the people listening, if when you say trauma, you know, that could resonate with a number of different people because we all go through trauma every day of some kind. I mean, whether it be stump your toe or whether it be getting a car accident, but what do you mean by, you know, what was your threshold of trauma for you to say, okay, so that was my trauma. Uh, does that make sense? The question? Yeah, so all, you know, all of, all of us as humans want to be seen and loved. We do. Like we want to experience love. And uh, I think we go through life seeking that. And when you're a child, you, you want to be seen, you want to be loved, and you will figure out a way to do that. So depending how you grow up in your household, that's going to take on different forms. It's either going to take on, okay, well, in order for my parents to pay attention to me, I need to be quiet. Um, You know, I need to uh, freak out. I need to, so there's different patterns, right. That we follow depending on how we are brought up in order to find that love. Right. And so um, in my family, having negative feelings was not okay. You know what I mean? Like it was not okay to, to have an outburst. It was not okay to get upset or get mad or, you know, cry or whatever. Right. So I learned from a very young age, showing emotion is bad. Right. So that is where that, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't even think twice of that. I'd be like, yeah, okay, whatever, big deal. But that survival pattern, if you like listen to Mast and Kip, that survival pattern that I uh, developed, which protected me at the time and helped me to learn how to receive love 
it becomes a hindrance at some point in your life, right? So unless you can learn to identify what those are, you can't heal from it, right? And so then it just creates um, maybe disassociation in terms of being able to really connect with um, your higher power or other people or find your purpose. You know, you just start to, I mean, I just keep going back to the matrix. You just, you're just going through life like the shell of a person, um, and, uh, which <laughs> I'm not saying that it's not, that it's a bad thing. It just didn't work for me anymore. It didn't so, work for me. So, um, and, and I'm, that completely makes sense. So let's, let's circle back to, or let's kind of go into, you know, you mentioned your childhood. Talk, talk to me about that. Tell me a little bit about what that was like. And you said, you know, I, we didn't have outbursts and we didn't show emotion. I think is what you said. Correct me if I'm wrong something along those lines. I don't want you to walk me through what, what do you mean by that? Because I don't know, you know, I'm not so sure. I, 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 I didn't go through that. So I want you to explain it to me. I want you to help me understand what you mean by that. Attention contractors of the successful life podcast. Want to supercharge your business decisions? We've got something just for you. Head over to our website, SuccessfulLifePodcast.com, and click on the free download button to grab your copy of Warning When Hiring a Leadership Coach. Equip yourself with the insights you need to make informed decisions for your business. Don't miss out. I (laughs) had a very perfect childhood in terms of outside view. It was... um, two parents who started their own business and were very successful at it and three brothers and we went to church every Sunday and we all did well in school and I went to college and I got a great job and I did everything by the book right so um so I defended that like religiously when anybody would ever question about my family, like we had it together, you know, and um, it wasn't until I was looking at my life and the choices I was making in terms of like the drinking and all, you know, the self-medicating that I was like, why this doesn't make sense. Like if everything was so perfect, why am I like such a mess, you know? And um, now looking back with different eyes, Uh, I can see that, um, you know, my parents were just reenacting what they experienced from their lives, right? They both came from parents who grew up in the depression. So it was a very, very scarcity mindset in terms of, you know, hang on to the money because it might run away and you don't know where it's going to come back from, (laughs) you know, and um, your emotions make me really uncomfortable. And so I don't want to experience them. So I want you to go away with that, you know, and I'm, and, and people that, and you'll hear this over and over from people you talk to when, when you're going through the healing process, they did the best they could with the knowledge that they had, right? They didn't know how to self-regulate. They didn't know um, how to be a parent. Like nobody, it doesn't come with a a training manual. You know what I mean? And so I, I'm careful to, to sit there. I don't blame them for anything because they didn't know better, but they, you know, and 
I'm in my 40s. So I grew up in the 70s and my, and my parents were born in the 40s and 50s. And they didn't know, they were, one was like, they came from alcoholic people. So it's a very um, volatile, emotional roller coaster. Sure. But not, so, not, not like on the outside. So, uh, so I'll give you an example of, of kind of what you were just saying that was in my childhood. And then maybe you could paint a, a picture of something similar in yours. So for me, I was a fat kid. And the reason I was a fat kid was because not because I had bad parents. Uh, both of my parents were great. My mom was a school teacher and, you know, had her master's and my dad worked for Philip Morris and, and it did really well. And, but, but they fed me fat, you know, fried food and we had fucking dessert every night. And so I was a fat kid and my dad was a fat kid until I made a decision that I was going to change that after being made fun of, um, at a pool party. So, mm-hmm. so or to your point about them not knowing, you know, the parents, they don't know. And you can't really blame them for whatever it is that has happened. Now, if it's something that's deeper than that, you know, being a fat kid, then then maybe if they intentionally did something that uh, harmed you or intentionally abused you, then that, that may be a different story. Maybe there's some blame there. I don't know. But, uh, but so, so give me an example of something that, that, that they, because they didn't have a manual, like, let me give give me an example of when you felt like you wanted to just really break down and, and really let it, let it out. And you just knew that it, it, you just couldn't do that because that was just kind of the way it was. Is there one time maybe that you can tell us that, that, that you remember uh, specifically that, that that was the case? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, <laughs> It says I'm not naming names now, (laughs) but, um, you know, I, I was, uh, I was not protected in the sense that, um, if there was, um, like my, my, one of my younger brothers was like pretty violent and, um, if he would get upset, like we had like full on blowout fights, you know, I would get bruised and everything. And, um, and the, the message kind of was, well, you must've done something to deserve that. And so I, I was like, okay, so it wasn't, so this is what I can relate it to. When I first drank alcohol, um, I was so relieved that I had found something where I could express my feelings that I could actually like not give a shit what anybody thought about me. And I didn't have to like keep everything, like everything stuffed. Right. Cause I had grown up thinking like, in, if I show my emotion or I show that I care, then um, I'll be hurt or I will, um, I will not receive a, a affection. So I just, everything was stuff, 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 stuff. So uh, as soon as I was able to drink alcohol and I was able to start expressing my emotions, it gave me an outlet. 
And so I was like, oh, finally, thank God I found something. And I didn't care. I didn't care anymore about like what people thought of me. I didn't care about like trying to keep everything all stuffed inside. I was was free. I felt free. (laughs) So I guess, you know, that's one of them. It mostly was just around um, not, uh, not showing emotion. So that makes sense. That mm-hmm. makes sense. So, uh, at what age did you start drinking? Uh, 14. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then, um, did you ever have con- any consequences from your drinking? I did. <laughs> so let's talk about that. What kind of consequences <laughs> did you have from your drinking? Well, I was a blackout drunk. Um, so, I, uh, a lot of time I drove drunk, like often where the type where you, you know, wake up the next day and you're like, where's my car? And then you go peek through the curtains and you're like, oh shit, it's here. Okay. No, I don't remember driving at all. And I'm just still so grateful to this day that I never hurt anybody. I never hurt myself. Like, I just don't even, like, I don't even know how that happens. Um, you know, I'd, I've, I've, I've fallen. I, one of the, one of the big ones was I was, um, on a business trip and I, uh, was out, I went out for a business dinner and then ended up in a blackout and ended up in the hospital at three o'clock in the morning with a broken wrist. Like I don't have any recollection of what happened. I don't know anything. I just had, I just, had I was in the hospital with a broken wrist and pulverized. <laughs> so I had to get a flight back home with a sling to get to the hospital so that I found, you know, they had to like put screws in it. And, <laughs> oh my gosh. And, and I had this woman 12 step me and explain, you know, she went through her whole, like what had happened to her and her story was very similar to mine. And, you know, maybe I've got a problem. And I was just like, yeah, I'm not, no, I'm just going to not drink anymore. You know, I'm just going to not drink anymore. And, uh, and that worked for, I don't know, about eight or nine months. I mean, <laughs> it was like, that's the thing, right? Cause then it goes back to, you still have all that emotional trauma inside. And, um, if you want to get into like the neural pathways and how you're, you know, what I've been doing over and over and over again. So that I do go. Well, no, but that's what I'm saying. Right. That that's, that's what it was. Like you do something for long enough, it becomes a habit. So it's not like, and so it, it's the body directing the brain. So even though I had this conscious willpower of that, I don't want to drink anymore. The body had different plans because I had, I've been conditioned to, this is how I handle my, my emotional trauma, I drink or I eat or whatever, you know what I mean? So I didn't matter how conscious I was about it. It wasn't going to happen. Right. And that's why, um, you know, in AA you replace, you replace one habit with another habit, right? So you start taking different choices and that's it. And that's what it is. It's you're starting to reprogram yourself because you are making different choices and you have that support group, the co-regulation of the other people who are in the, in the rooms that help you do that. So I'm glad you mentioned, you know, trading one habit for another. Um, What would you say, you know, my experience with that is that, you know, when I got sober, I, I first started eating sugar 
because, well, that's what you probably should do, you know, or in order to replace all the sugar from the alcohol that you're drinking. At least that was my experience. And then it was exercise. So, you know, when, when we say trade one habit for another, um, do you usually see those habits are, are, are better habits or, because look, if, if the fact of the matter is, if I stop drinking and start eating 25 blow pops every day, then and start to gain weight and become diabetic. Well, I'm not so sure that's, I, I don't, you know, it's hard for me to say that's a great trade off. You know, I'm not so sure if it is or if it isn't, but they're both really, really bad. So, if you, <laughs> you know, so if you, if you have to trade it off for something, what would that be? So that's the thing, right? Like when, in, when you're in the rooms, it's kind of like, well, whatever, you know, one thing at a time. So it's like, if you need to go ahead and eat sugar all the time, or you got to smoke cigarettes all the time in order to like stop drinking, do whatever you got to do, right? Yeah, absolutely. Realize, okay, this isn't working. And in my opinion, it's, it's just my opinion. I feel like, you know, anything external to us just feeds the beast, right? So I can replace uh, drinking with sugar, I'm still feeding the beast. I can replace sugar with cigarettes. I'm still feeding the beast. You know what I mean? I'm still trying to use something external to me to change the way that I feel. And if I'm right, if I'm trying to change the way that I feel, then I got to ask myself, why, why am I trying to change the way that I feel? It's because there's emotional trauma, right? There's the, the pain in the body, in the nervous system that needs healing. And and that comes through recognizing a higher consciousness. That comes through the, the self-care, the, um, depending on who you like to follow. You know, the, where you do the meditations. You, you do things to take care of yourself mentally, physically, you know, spiritually. And that's where the healing starts to happen, right? Because then we start getting out of the way to allow that the universe, God, divine, whatever you want to call it, to come in and start directing our lives. But I can't make space for that if I'm constantly trying to control it through things in the physical world. I can't do that. So uh, what was, you know, when you said that, it made me think of the human connection, right? So part of, I think, I believe, you know, what helped me in my journey and, and does today is, you know, if I'm going through something and I contact someone else and I don't call them about my problem or so what I perceive as my problem or, um, you know, whatever it is I'm going through and I connect with another person and I find out how they're doing and, find out what's going on in their day. Most, if not every time they tell me, you know, what's going on with them. And it takes me out of me, 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 me. And when I'm in me, 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 I can't function. I can't be of service to you. I can't be of service to my family. I can't be of service to anybody. If I'm worried about whatever it, I'm not doing or I'm not getting or, how I feel like I was shorted or, or whatever the case may be. And so, you know, one of the things, one of the ma major lessons that I learned in, in, in AA was that I, I have to reach out to somebody else, not 
and usually for me, and I, I don't know about for you, but for me, it's usually someone who, you know, it's, it's not going to be my wife because I live with her. Um, it's probably not going to be my mom because she's going to tell me whatever the hell I want to hear. Um, it's got to be somebody who is kind of like a third party um, that maybe doesn't know me as well to ask me about my, does that make sense? Mm -hmm. I mean, what I think about is co-regulation and I think about um, our sympathetic nervous system, our parasympathetic nervous system. I mean, one of the reasons why I know for me, when I um, make the decision and choose to ask somebody how their day is and listen to what they're saying, I'm um, like, I'm starting to regulate my system. I, and I'm not in that, I'm not in that, is it the, whatever lobe it is of your head where you're just like, right? Is it the frontal lobe? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not a neurosurgeon. I can't remember either, but, but yeah. I'm not, I'm, I'm making a point to become conscious, right? Because when I'm, my head is spinning and I'm in that state of worry, I'm in that state of, light or fight, I am, um, I'm not conscious. I'm living in the past. I'm living in the, in, in past emotions or worry about the future. But when I make a phone call and I ask somebody else how they're doing, I become present. And now I'm in the present moment because I'm actively listening to what it is that you're saying. Now, if I get you on the phone and you're, and I ask you, so how are you doing? And then I sit there and spend the whole time spinning in my head about what it is I got to do, who I need to talk to, what if that happens, da, 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 um, I'm in the past, you know? So it's all about that conscious awareness of being in the present moment. And sometimes it takes taking an active, you know, action to pick up the phone and call somebody because I don't know. And that's, you know, that's another thing about AA. Why does it work? Why do we pick up the phone? Because it helps us get into the present moment, right? Because if I tell someone that's trying to get sober, hey, um, well, you just need to meditate. They're like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> that's so true. <laughs> so instead of doing that, I'm going to tell you, pick up the phone and, when, and ask somebody how they're doing and listen to what they say because now I'm, you're going to be in the present moment and you're not going to be thinking about the past. And then all of a sudden, self-regulate you know the regulation happens you go into the parasympathetic nervous system you get off the phone and you're like oh my gosh I feel so much better it's magic <laughs> and it, it really does feel that way it, it really does. does feel that way and you know on the and on the other end of that you're making that person feel See, good they yeah. get right and so then it goes back to what is it that we want? We want to be seen. We want to belong. We want to feel love. And when someone asks me how I'm doing because they want to stay sober and I get to express how I feel, I feel connected to them. Absolutely. 100%. So, all right. Um, all right. So we'll kind of jump from that. I would love this topic, of course, but I want to hear more about your you know, your switch from the corporate world, what were you doing in the corporate world? And then I did definitely want you to talk about how you got into the current business that you're in, because I'm guessing 10 years ago, if I would have asked you, Hey, would you be in the current, your current business? You'd be like, uh, no. <laughs> uh, so I think it's an interesting story. So I want you to tell me about that. Yeah. I went to work at a college for a fortune 500 IT consulting firm. There's only like a few of them, right? So I, um, it was Accenture. 
and um, I went into IT project management and I did system development. Um, and uh, I did that for about 13 years. I didn't work for them. I, I jumped around to a, a couple different companies, but I was always in the electricity space. Um, and then uh, when I decided to quit my job and become a stay-at-home mom, um, I really didn't have any plans to go back to work. I just, I didn't have any plans, period, <laughs> besides like trying to raise my kids. And then um, my husband and uh, a, a guy that he knows decided to start a dog training business. And this was a couple years ago. And uh, me coming, just being the person that I am and, and coming from the background that I did, saw that there was definitely a need for some help. <laughs> so I started getting a little bit involved, to, you know, putting my toe in the water or whatever in terms of like running operations and stuff like that. But I was coming from it for the perspective of like, but this isn't what I'm going to do because my role in life is to be a stay at home mom. Like that's what I had decided. Um, even though I didn't feel like that was my purpose, like something, it was off. Right. And, um, through a sequence of events, the other business partner decided to um, step out. And so I stepped in and, um, and I started, uh, this was right around the time that I was getting involved in Arte. So taking all of those principles of Arte, looking at what the business is and realizing that we've got some work to do, that was when I decided to kind of start stepping in more fully and uh, really wanting to see what we can do with this company. So that's the process that I'm currently in, right? I would have never uh, thought that I would have anything to do with dog training. <laughs> I am a dog lover. I have dogs. I'm not a dog trainer, but um, it is a do it's a dog training business, right? And the cool thing is that um, we, I've got some amazing people that work for me that I want to give them the opportunity and I want to give this company the opportunity to really flourish, to see what it can be. Cause I think that it could really be, um, the amount of lives that were changing in terms of people being able to keep dogs that they didn't think that they were originally going to be able to have because they were so unruly getting to see their lives change. Like that's what motivates me when I get to see how people's lives change when they have a well-trained dog. So what that's going to look like in the future, I have no idea. I, you know, this is where it's like, I just show up for the day and I do the next right thing that I'm supposed to do. And I just see kind of where it's going to take me. So do you, um, at, uh, you were fairly successful at the, you know, when you first, when you started this business, right? I mean, you had some pretty quick success. Yeah. I guess it's, and it follows the model that I, I hear about often now that came out of the gates and everybody was like super motivated and we were like, yeah, and we did amazing and had great numbers and we were like, sweet, we made it. And so everybody took their foot off the gas and we're like, cool, I'm just going to let this thing run itself. And it ran itself right in the ground. <laughs> Tell me there so no processes in place. <laughs> and so because it ran it because you let off your foot off the gas, which is why I wanted you to talk about that, is because you know, that happens more times than not, we get comfortable. Yeah. And yeah. it's just like Andy and Ed say or Tim Grover, you gotta be you gotta get used to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And and so if 
the, the whoever, whoever's listening right now, if you're in this situation and you're running a business and you think and you see that things are going smooth sailing, watch out because there's a chance you may be letting your foot off the gas and tell us now, tell me how, how that worked out for you. Like, uh, when you, when that's, when you realized, holy shit, you know, we're co we, we were coasting, but now things started to fall off and what happened? I mean, what did you, what? That was the thing Like that was the pivot point. That was the point where the other business partner, um, wasn't interested in working it through he um so he got out and i was looking around and you know there were two choices right okay well we can just close the close the doors or if we're going to do this then we need to dig in and do it and um that happened this year and we're still in it Right. We're, we're still in the process of, um, learning and having to look at, okay, well, just every single aspect of it, of from sales and operations and social media and follow through and post care of the dogs. Like it's, it's, we're growing up in public. We're learning as we go. And the team of people that I have, they're in, they're invested. They don't want to give up. So I don't want to give up, you know, and, but this, we're just in it, right? Cause that's the thing. It's not like we decided, oh, okay, well, um, let's dig our heels in and then we'll just take right back off. That's not, it's exactly like what Ed said. You know, it took, it only took about 90 days <laughs> or whatever that it was a short time frame for things to start going south. And then on the other side of it, he says six, he says six to nine months or maybe longer <laughs> for trying to dig yourself out of that. The, the temperature of the company went down and we're trying to get it back up. And it's, it's a, a process because it's not just about, oh, okay, we'll just sell more. It's not about that. It's about changing the mindset of the people that work in the company because we all got to raise our temperature. I can't just raise my temperature. And that the company is all of a sudden going to like turn around. Everybody has to be invested in it. We all have to be working together. We all have to understand the mission and the vision of the company. And that's kind of what we're defining at the same time. So, so how did you, um, you know, so what is, what would be something that you have changed to create, I'll just use culture for the lack of better words, the culture of the company. What have you done differently to be a better leader. So um, looking at what is it that we're, what is, what is our mission? Are we just a dog training company? And well, no, we're not, you know, we're about educating owners. We're about, yeah, training is a part of it, but um, it, there's more to that. So talking, so developing core values, right? We've developed core values it's about learning how to trace everything back to the core values of why is it we're doing what we're doing. The team that I have, they're young, you know, and unless you know, you just, you kind of have, you can't help. I think we all just before we know, we filter things through a negative perspective, you know? So I, it's about 
building people up and reinforcing what they're doing that's good and and showing them that I'm in and we're going to do this. And, and, you know, when they started the company, it was very much just like, let's just sell dog training, do dog training. Right. And as it's evolved. And one of the things that was important to me is I want people to have a good experience with dog trainers because a lot of people that come to us have been through the dog training world. They, and what happens is the dog gets trained they don't have any follow through. They don't know how to use the tools. And then they're like, well, my dog's not trained anymore. And I'm like, there's a huge gap here, you know? And so I don't want to be that company. I want to be the company that's like, we're with you. We are with you while you have this dog. If you have issues, you call us and we'll come back out. You know what I mean? And that was kind of where, um, if you were to say, oh, well, like, how are you going to like financially, um, make that work? Like, that's the part I'm trying to learn. Right. Cause I knew it was important to me to provide good service to the people that want to use us. Then it becomes about circling back around to be like, okay, how do I, how do I make sure that I can run a business doing that? <laughs> Cause I wasn't coming at it from the perspective of like, how much money am I going to make? It was just like, I want to be a business that we follow through on what we say we're going to do. We're authentic, we're transparent, you know, and that, and that I always think back to people don't remember what you said. They remember how you made them feel. And that's how, that's the thing. That's what I like every day. I'm like, how did we make them feel? How did we make them feel? (laughs) Absolutely. That makes total sense. Total sense. Um, so, you know, one of the things that, let me just check her. Um, yeah, we're, we're good. You okay on time for another minute or so. Mm -hmm. Um, so tell me this, um, after going through everything that you've gone through, what are some, what is, you know, being so self-aware and, 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 you know, digging into your mind, what is it now that you fear the most? What is the one thing that you would say is of you know, the biggest fear of yours? You know, a lot of people say I'm, I'm fearful of dying. Well, I don't know why, because you're going to fucking die. Everybody's going to die. So you, you might as well throw that one out the window. In my opinion, you know, I was just giving you an example, but I hear that sometimes. And and that's that's a more of a factual thing that, that that's going to happen. So, is there something that um, you know that sticks out that that maybe shows up a lot? Um, my fear would be that I won't have the courage to f- truly follow my purpose. That would be my fear. Is that um, that all of the self realization, the awakening, the connecting to a higher consciousness will be in vain. That I will hit a spot to where I'll say, this is too scary. I'm too afraid of being seen. I'm going to go back in my hole. That would be my biggest fear. And so I'm sure that, 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 that probably comes up often. So what do you do when that little, we'll call it the little bitch voice says, you know, that to you, how do you divert? How do you get past that? I recognize that it's coming from the past Mm -hmm. and I redirect my attention to what it is I'm doing right now at this moment. And I let go and I just trust, right? Like I'm not supposed to know any of that right now. I mean, of course my brain is going to be, 
putting all of this fear into my head. It's trying to keep me safe, you know? And what was safe for me was to live in this tiny little box. But the issue is that that box leaves my soul empty. So I owe it to myself and the people around me and God, the universe, whatever, to have trust in the present moment that I'm exactly where I need to be. And I just keep taking those steps. I just keep walking. Because the reality is my, my experience with what you just said is that, you know, we go through things, whatever they may be, and it's always for a reason. And you can look at, you you take a perspective and you can look at, I'll just take the car accident. I hit a deer two weeks ago. Well, I go look at that as, damn, my car's wrecked. What am I going to do now? Holy shit, it's going to cost X, Y, Z. Or my viewpoint on it was, guess what? Most likely that deer hit my car because in 15 minutes from now, I would have been dead because I could have gotten run over by a tractor trailer. Mm -hmm. So I think everything happens for a reason. And I think that we are all in a process of evolving to our better self. Mm -hmm. Um, And if we can just, like you said, stay in the present moment and recognize that it's so, so much better way to live. I mean, it, if you, you know, I've said this over and over, but if you, if you're putting out shit, you're going to get shit back. If you're putting out good stuff, like I, I look at my car getting wrecked as it probably saved my life. Mm-hmm. That to me is a good thought mm-hmm. opposed to being negative about it. Because if I was negative about it, then negative shit would have happened. Mm-hmm. And that's my experience. And I can't say that I always look at it that way, but I try, I know consciously that that's the way I need to look at it. But when you're in the shit, sometimes it doesn't always work out that way. And well, so I think about the, the universe, like I show up, my job is to show up for the day. Right. And the universe leaves clues of um, where I need to go. And that's not to say that I just wake up in the day and I'd be like, okay, whatever you want to do, I'm open. You know, (laughs) I still have my like guideline, my schedule of what I'm working towards, but I'm not opposed to, you know, as, as information comes into me to be assessing that information to help guide me on the decisions that I'm making. Right. So that's, um, so yeah, you know, everything, you know, you hear it all the time. Things happen for you. They don't happen to you, you know, and that has taken on new meaning in my life now. So I, uh, you know, that's, um, that's what came up for me when you were saying that. Well, yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree that, that, that you know, like Ed says, or, or Tony or whoever, you know, life happens for you, not to you. And if you can look at things from that approach, shit gets a lot better for you. And I do know that for sure. Mm-hmm. So, um, all right. Well, um, I always ask everybody what their Instagram is. What is your Instagram where people can follow you? Suzette Sanders. <laughs> there you go. Okay. So listen, I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to sit down and do this 
podcast with me. I really appreciate it a lot. You're welcome. I'm glad I got to be here. Thanks for asking me. Absolutely. So thank you very much and you have a wonderful day. You too. I'll talk to you later. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning into the Successful Life Podcast. We hope today's insights have ignited your passion and provided tools to shape your leadership journey. Remember, greatness is a journey, not a destination. Continue your pursuit by exploring more resources and insights over at coreybarrier.com. Until next time, keep leading, keep learning, and keep striving for excellence. Stay inspired and see you on the next episode.